0: Welcome to Hot Sauce Sports with Terry Tam. Uh, we have the pleasure this week to be joined by Charlie Black uh, Blackhawks insider for NBC Sports. Charlie, how's it going, buddy? What's going on, Terry? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. I know we've been going back and forth on Instagram. Uh, I'm a big fan. I love, I love what you do on Instagram. It's great stuff. I'm a, I'm a closet Blackhawks fan. So for me, it's, it's great to see the, the stuff that you put out
1: there. I love it. You know, I went to uh, Montreal two years ago as it was my first time at a Habs game and we did, we kind of did the, uh, it was a buddy's trip, meet my brother and some two other friends and we did. We went to um, Montreal first, saw Habs game on Thursday and on that Saturday we did, we went to Toronto and saw a Maple Leafs game and so we kind of hold, we did the whole Hockey Night in Canada experience and, and yeah. both the Canadians and Maple Leafs game On that Thursday and Saturday Went into a shootout So we feel like we got our money's worth Where we, there was literally no more hockey That we could have seen We, we, we took it the full distance So uh, special place in my heart for, for Canada
0: What's what's a nicer arena?
1: Ooh, good question yeah. um, It was, uh, you know what? They're, they're both right up there So I, I will say Montreal definitely had more of an old school vibe Than Toronto yeah, um, I, I really did feel like just going into to, uh, to the Toronto Stadium and watching a Leafs game like it really felt like hockey night in Canada. But when you walked into um, the Bell Center, it really felt like you could feel that tradition, that rich tradition. And so they were both unique experiences in their in their own way. So the
0: Bell Center, I mean, they released some rankings like uh, the best arenas in, in the country or in the, in the league. Vegas was number one. And then Montreal, the Bell Center was right below. it. I'm like, wow. That's crazy knowing that they charge fifteen dollars to sell their own beer. You know what I mean? So it's it <laughs> yeah.
1: honestly. I mean, you ask players though, and, and they, they'll they'll tell you you Montreal is right up there and and probably for, for the reasons I'm stating too. Like you walk into that arena and you can feel, you know, you just look up and there are just a crap ton of banners and, and yeah. so it's it's really cool being there. And I thought that one of the best parts obviously of Montreal we we made it a point to, to get there early because we wanted to see the intro and it certainly did not disappoint.
0: Yeah, the intro at Habs games I will say, I'm a season ticket holder. So the the intro at Habs game Habs games is 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 always great. They always somehow uh remember or they commemorate somebody that has something to do with the Habs 100 years ago whatever. But they always make it they make it great and that's why I like it.
1: Did they get rid of the uh, the intro? Do they change the intro every year in the um, regular season? Because I felt like it was different this year when I saw um, – you know, my cousin went to Montreal at a, at a, at a Habs game this year. Yeah. And he, he sent me a video of the intro, and it was a little bit different than the one I saw. So the and one I don't know this they, year
0: is yeah. different than what you've seen previously. So I think they changed it either this year or the year before, but they don't change it every year. No.
1: OK, I was yeah. going to say the one I went two years ago, I mean, I recorded the whole thing and, and like I still find myself sometimes going through those videos. And I'm like, man, this intro was so cool. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, g- just great, great memories in Montreal. So are you from Chicago? Yep. Born and oh, raised.
0: Nice. There's a lot of Greek people in Chicago, I imagine.
1: Uh, a ton a ton of Greek people in Chicago. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're everywhere, especially especially <laughs> here in Illinois. We, we, we have infiltrated the city.
0: Um, are you first generation?
1: Yep. Oh, okay, so your parents are born in Greece? My same here. Correct. Hundred percent.
0: Well, my mom's born here, but my dad's born in Greece. My dad's like that classic immigrant, you know, was still has the mustache, tucks in his t shirt, <laughs> uh, watches sports all the time, thinks he knows everything about sports, but knows really nothing. You know, that's <laughs> that's my dad in a nutshell. That's
1: uh, it sounds like a, a few members of my family too, where you get together <laughs> for those holidays and those sports arguments come up and you're like well i know who has been following and who hasn't been following exactly. just wants to be part of those conversations so i know I who really... watched
0: the uh, sports center this morning and i know who did it yep. pretty much
1: um <laughs> totally. did you
0: grow up playing hockey or did you grow up playing soccer would you play
1: I, I actually i grew up playing a lot of sports i grew up playing basketball soccer um hockey really a little but didn't end up taking that i obviously when um wasn't very good to, to do something with a career okay. as a career. So, but but we were versatile, versatile as kids. Our parents put us in in a lot of different sports. And uh, obviously, you know, the Greek community over here, we had basketball and soccer is a, was a big one for for us growing up. And we would have some junior Olympics that we would play in every summer as as kids representing our churches. So uh, a lot of a lot of uh, fun memories too as a kid growing up and, and playing those sports.
0: Yeah, same here. My dad played. He was actually good at soccer, so when he came here, he was at, he played like semi pro and stuff like that. Then he coached. So my brother and I, we were forced to play soccer. But I'm a big kid, so I ended up playing football, and uh, my brother continued with his soccer career. Uh, but we never played hockey. But we're such huge hockey fans, you know. And I'm sure it's the same thing for you. That's amazing.
1: I actually was in Greece in 2004 when they when they won the Euro Cup, and that oh, was one of the craziest experiences of my life. Um, just being there for that. I, I wasn't in Athens, but I was. Uh, a couple hours outside of it, and it was just absolute madness because you know I was only what twelve years old as a kid. and so that experience was surreal. So yeah, uh, and also my my little uh, my little cousin is really good at soccer, and he's been he's trying to do that as a career. So soccer is uh, I don't play enough of it anymore, but I, and I don't watch it as much either, but every time there's a World Cup or Euro Cup on uh, I, I love watching the uh, the national games
0: i I, I watch soccer uh, here. i'm like I'm a big Liverpool fan. Um, so I'll watch English Premier League and I'll watch Greek soccer with my dad. I mean, we're both like we're we were raised Olympiacos fans. So it's like for us, we like we had to we,
1: you wear if you wear green, forget it. You're not welcome in the house. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very divided in Greece and my, my family's in Greece. It's not like, uh, you know, like here it's when if you're in Chicago, it's like Cubs or White Sox. So you're Cubs or White Sox fan. And, and in, in Greece, it's it's those two. Uh, so yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's funny to see that the divide. Yeah. Um,
0: so the Blackhawks made it same way the Habs made it into the playoffs this year, um, <laughs> by chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, so the thing is about the, the, the Habs, they're going to end up playing the Penguins. I think it's a good matchup for the Habs, but when I look at, uh, the Blackhawks, gonna, they're about to play the Oilers, right? I'm, I'm think I'm right. Yep. Yeah. So they're going to play the Oilers. I don't like that matchup for the Blackhawks. I don't know about you.
1: Well, I will say this, I, I I think the Blackhawks are slowly becoming a popular pick to, to beat Edmonton because if all else cancels each other out, I, I think it really is going to come down to special teams and goaltending. And I think the Blackhawks have clearly the better goaltender in Corey Crawford, but um, kind of big news out of Chicago over this training camp period is that Crawford hasn't been on the ice because he's been deemed unfit to play, which is obviously the NHL's weird terminology to uh, characterize those injury or medical uh, reasons because they don't want to really disclose if it's COVID nineteen related or, or hockey related injury. So they're being really vague about it. But I, I think if Corey Crawford is healthy and ready to go, I think it should be a real tight series. Um, and and obviously, you know, you look at the Oilers; and they got McDavid and Dreisaitl, and Those are yeah. probably the two best players in the world going up going up against the Blackhawks, who are one of statistically the worst teams in the NHL so I think it would it could be some sort of mismatch but I think where the difference is going to come is special teams because the Oilers have the number one ranked power play and number two ranked penalty kill and they weren't a very good five-on-five team to be honest with you so I think that the series could be decided on special teams
0: how long have you been working for the Blackhawks
1: um I I've been covering the Blackhawks since 2015 so so since that Stanley Cup run for so I'd say uh yeah the, the past five years Okay, I was gonna
0: ask if you if you if you felt if you've been in the arena when they won that Stanley Cup because I remember that team and that team had there was something about that team. Corey Crawford's from Montreal, right? So and you know six degrees yeah. of separation. I, I kind of I I, I I can get to Corey Crawford. You know maybe three ways. And um, so you always hear these stories. You know coming in and out the locker room. We all know hockey locker rooms when they're tight, they're good. Like you're gonna make mm-hmm. it far. Same thing what we saw with St. Louis last year. And I felt that Blackhawks team was young. They were driven. Keith Seabrook, Crawford, Kane, Hossa, uh obviously Taves. Uh, I mean, Buffalo. I think was he on that team or was he on the other one?
1: Yeah, they were. Uh, so you're. I think you're describing so the 2010 team. I mean, oh, you were. Yeah, they were just they were all young the 2015 team i mean they they really had no business winning that stanley cup because they were on their they were on their last legs but it's funny though that you mentioned Corey crawford and and and, hit the montreal roots i don't know if you know this or how popular this is in montreal but Corey crawford's stats against the canadians are apps is absolutely ridiculous especially when you're playing in montreal like Man, I want to say like he had like a nine seventy or nine sixty save percentage going into it's some absurd number going into going into Montreal this season, and and he ended up pitching a shutout to even to extend that or increase that save percentage. It, it was just absolutely crazy. Like I don't know, I don't know why, but that's one of the most fascinating statistics of Crawford's uh, career when it comes to this one single opponent.
0: Well, he's not the only one. A lot of Montrealers the they come to Montreal, they play well. Uh, Mike Ribeiro is one of them. He, whenever he comes to Montreal, he'll score a goal or get a or get an assist or something. He'll play well. Uh, Flurry's the same way. There's a lot of players, especially goalies, specifically they play extremely well at the Bell Center if they're from Montreal. Luongo's another one. Uh, Broder was another one. They always played well here, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the kind of like screw you Montreal, you didn't draft me or whatever it is, but. Uh, there's something there. There's something there, and Crawford for him to pitch a 970 against the Habs. I mean, I'm am a big hater of the Habs, even though I'm a
1: fan. Uh, I'm gonna say it's not that impressive. Yeah, you should, <laughs> should, should be going a thousand. I I wonder if it's you you know when you're going into Montreal's barn, like you you're like I have to be on my A game, and so yeah. maybe there's just like a heightened focus where you know I'm sure it's you know you're getting national attention to uh, occasionally if you're playing on a weekend or whatnot. So yeah it, but it is strange I mean poor poor Montreal that you know every you know that every every time um you know someone goes into that building they 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 play well
0: um it's it's a great it's a great arena I will say I mean i'm I'm joking around but it is a great arena and I feel like when guys come here they want to play well in this game like the, the seats are right on top of you you know like you, you feel the fans on top of you they get at you you know it's it's a tough place to play for sure um so now I'll flip it to you. The Habs, they're playing against the Pens. What do you think yep. their chances are?
1: Yeah, that's a tough draw if you're Pittsburgh, yeah. right? Like, if you're, man, if, you, if you're Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin, where you were pretty convincingly going to, you know, secure a playoff spot and you were actually probably more so fighting for a number one seed in their division. And now it's like, oh, here's Carey Price for a five game series. Good luck. You know, like, you know, th- this is, it's such a cliche answer, but it's really going to be. You know, you're gonna look across the NHL during this qualifying round and, and the round robin format and whichever goaltender can get up to speed as quickly as possible is probably gonna be the team that steals a series or steals, you know, goes on some sort of deep run because there isn't enough time for for players that you know, there's only one exhibition game. So if you have Carey Price that's on his game and he steals game one and two, now the Penguins have to win three in a row and they're not even in their home building for it that's when it. they, you know, deserved you know home ice advantage or whatever. So, yeah, it's definitely a real difficult task if you're if you're the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, but on the flip side, you know, the alternative is you have a 12.5% ch- uh, chance at at landing that number 1 overall pick if you are eliminated. So, that's kind of an interesting wrinkle to to all this uh, return to play format.
0: I I wanted to ask you about that. So I know I remember uh, we were trying to get together to do the uh, to do the episode, and you had said that that was the week that you guys were talking about the CBA and and the, and the draft and yeah. all that stuff. So you were kind of busy, uh, understandably. So so when it came out, I'm not a huge. I I didn't like the fact that if you're in the playoff, you have a chance to get the first overall pick. But I'm also against the the school of thought where, if you suck, you should be rewarded with a better pick. You know what I mean? So everybody's hating, like, saying, oh, Detroit, what are they going to do? You know, their their season was garbage. But why can't they get the first overall pick or why can't they get a better shot at it? I don't think that any teams in the playoff should be getting – should be in the running for that first overall pick. But I do think that the way they did the, the format was was fantastic. It was great.
1: Yeah, it's re- it's really tough because you kind of feel – you kind of feel for for Detroit and even Ottawa. I know they, they had two of those, um, you know, I think they had the second and third best odds to land the number one overall pick and then yeah. they fall out of there and then Detroit falls out of it. They, they fell completely out of the top three. So it, it didn't feel right that, you know, the, the worst team by far in the NHL and one of the worst teams in NHL history when we're talking about standings points, like just didn't get a top three pick, like feels a little bit weird, but at the same time, you know you kind of do feel some sort of excitement right like yeah and and maybe the nhl you know maybe it looks weird on the nhl as a casual fan like mm-hmm. w- you know you're saying the pittsburgh penguins can get eliminated in the first round and Sidney crosby and Malkin can get alexi lafreniere, lafreniere. lafreniere. Yeah. like are you kidding me so <laughs> that part i'm sure is you know it, it feels a little bit uncomfortable but i'm sure it g- generates some interest too where you know, it's like now we have this phase two lottery, and I'm sure a ton of teams are just going to be interested. in especially if you're, you know, a team like the Canadians or Blackhawks, you get eliminated, and it's like, okay, well, we have a shot of 12.5% shot, which was a better shot than if we would have, you know, missed the playoffs altogether. Yeah, it just been in the lottery. Setting. Yeah, so it certainly is a, a different format. But listen, these are unprecedented times, and you knew that it wasn't going to be, be normal at all. So I think the NHL you know did the best they could to to make it um you know just to get creative and maybe make it as fair as possible or generate some interest
0: yeah and they uh, they generate a lot of interest i mean there was nothing going on that night so i watched it i watched <laughs> it live on sportsnet and i think it was the, i probably fell asleep like 3 times but i was very interested in what was going on but i just i couldn't stay awake with sportsnet broadcast it was just i was losing my mind so i muted yeah. it and i was just watching it in the background and i wrote a blog about it uh, <laughs> that's the i mean thing it was
1: I, I will say it was a little bizarre when Bill Daly flipped over an NHL car and it was like, "Wait a second, we just watched this, and we don't even know who's getting the number one overall pick." So, yeah,
0: like they wasted our time.
1: Yeah, like poor poor Lafonguier, like you know, is kind of <laughs> preparing. Maybe maybe wants to start browsing uh, where he might be living next year, and now he has to wait a few more weeks to, to figure out. But I don't think he's complaining if he goes to a contender. Uh, you know, if one of those contenders, potential contenders, I guess, loses in that qualifying round, and, and he lands in a good spot.
0: Well, imagine if New York wins the Stanley Cup, which is likely—I'm not likely; it's possible—and um, they're still eligible for the first overall pick.
1: Well, they—they they wouldn't be eligible for that first overall pick because they would be eliminated. It, it's only—it's only if you're eliminated in the qualifying round. Okay. So, that makes I, more sense. so I think that's yeah, because I think originally the NHL did you know if, if they ended up conducting the draft before the actual playoffs. Then it would have been possible for the oh, okay. Rangers or the Blackhawks or even the, I was like it yeah it doesn't,
0: yeah. doesn't add up
1: yeah because so, theoretically that would have been yeah that would have been pretty difficult a, a <laughs> pretty difficult sell where you know you got a team winning the Stanley Cup and then they go get the number one overall
0: <laughs> and just to talk about the Rangers you know I mean they're how stacked they are and how young they are they got Kako last year I mean they have so many they have such a, a bunch of American defensemen sick defensemen sick players a guy like Fox. To me, is one of the he's one of the better prospects coming up. Uh I'm obviously Panarin, you know, so they're, they're a stacked team enough as it is. So imagine they landed at Lafreniere. Man, I'd give them the Stanley Cup next year, give it to them now.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're definitely trending in the right direction. I, I still think they're probably it's probably gonna be a couple years before they do uh contend for legitimately a Stanley Cup, but yeah, you know, they got they they got the the core pieces are coming into place very nicely with, with Panarin and even Adam Fox. I know he, did, he didn't get a Calder trophy finalist nomination but um boy oh boy he was he was one of the better rookies all year long in the nhl
0: who are the callers this year obviously it's McCar, hughes and who's the third one
1: yeah the third one was uh dominic kubalik who's yes. actually from the from the blackhawks and yeah. um i know he scored 30 goals but to be honest with you you know i, I had him on my ballot for number three and and you could have made a case for for adam fox or Mackenzie Blackwood or Elvis Merzley. I mean there was just a, a boatload of rookies that deserved it but for me the the thing that put Kubelik third on my ballot and you know not just covering the Blackhawks they're, you know, I'm not trying to be biased here at all but you look at uh, elim, eliminate the 30 goals from your mind just look at the amount of even strength goals he scored it was 26 and in the last 20 years only three players have scored more than 26 even strength goals and that's Ovechkin, <laughs> Austin Matthews and Patrick Lineate. so that's pretty good company and I think that was really what sold it for me
0: yeah I had a uh, Merzlikens uh, Hughes and Makar those are the three guys that I had um, I think Hughes is gonna end up taking it uh, but it's tight it's a tight race it's a tight race um, so you guys are you guys are gonna be playing the Oilers um, good luck with that I mean I think I, I mean it could be a good matchup but we'll see what they can bring uh, you mentioned the awards we talked about the rookie awards I wanted to get your thoughts on the coaching awards so now we have the nominees are uh tortorella bruce cassidy and i'm drawing a blank either way elaine uh, Vigneault. elaine
1: out Alain of Vigneault, uh, Philly. It. yep i, I think a uh, tremendous job by john tortorella this year yeah. and honestly it's more so because <laughs> you look at all the pieces that they lost last summer with panarin and matt duchene and Sergey Bobrovsky, and um, uh, th- th- there's one other one I'm blanking on, Ryan Dezingle. Oh, yeah. All four of them walked for nothing at, in free agency, and so not a lot of people had the had the Blue, Blue Jackets making a playoff spot, and not only did they do that, but they were one of the most well-structured NHL teams this season, and when Jonas Corpusalo went down with an injury, ironically, it was actually against the Blackhawks, here comes Elvers Merzlikens, and just, you know, pitches back-to-back-to-back shutouts, and it's just an absolute stud for for the Blue Jackets. But they don't give up a lot of scoring chances or high-quality chances. They're very well-structured. And then you look at some of the injuries they face, too, most notably Seth Jones, who's a Norris-caliber defenseman. Oh, they were big. out with – he was gone, too. So I think, man, it would be really difficult for, for him not to uh, win that award.
0: And as I mean, Alan Vigneault is going to make a real case. I wouldn't. I mean, Bruce Cassidy. I think he'll probably he'll finish third in that running. Uh, but my votes for Torts as well. I mean, that, that what he done, what he did with that team. We can even if we eliminate this season. I mean, obviously for the award he'll need it. But we look at what he did in the playoffs last year. You know, I mean, nobody expected them to anything, and the fact that they were able to to play as well as they did and end up sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning was crazy to me. You know, and yeah. Torts is that type of guy where you know you want to put your head through a brick wall for that guy.
1: Yeah, he has such a really short shelf life as a coach because he can be so demanding, but man, it's crazy to see if there's one NHL coach that has really evolved significantly over the, over the years. It's Tortorella because man, he, you know, you look at some of his past stops and and you know, after like a few years, guys are just tired of it, right? And so this year, I mean, it's just crazy to see how he's evolved into some you know this players coach where players like playing for him now because he is very competitive but he's also understanding of how the current nhl players responded to coaching you know they don't want to be um you know they, they want to be laid back a little bit they they, they want to have a coach that holds them accountable but is not in their face constantly all the time so uh kudos for for to tortorella for evolving as a coach
0: I, liked, I, I mean, f- to get nominated, maybe some consideration would have been Paul Maurice for me this year. Uh, looking at their decor and who they lost, technically. Um, everybody, that they basically didn't have a decor this a decor year. This- and yeah. for, them to, for them to be where they are right now in a real title contention is is impressive to me and Paul Maurice is another guy he's kind of like Torti where he's kind of changed the style a bit you know he's adapted to the game uh he's always one of the he's a he's loved by the players uh nobody really has a bad thing to say about him but he's found a spot in Winnipeg now where he's you know he's able to to coach a specific way and he's actually had some success
1: yeah I really like Paul Maurice and he had a, he was dealt a really tough hand and that whole organization too when dustin bufflin was you yeah. know kind of threw things into a wrench for the season but um i don't have a Vesna trophy vote and that's voted on by i believe the general managers and but if i would i would have gone to connor halibut because yeah. he was outstanding for winnipeg this season so yeah paul Maurice and connor halibut are, are the two right up there that deserve the most credit for the success and just kind of staying afloat in the western conference this year
0: it's uh, it, this season is is very weird. Obviously, for for COVID, that's been the biggest reason. But you're looking at teams where at the beginning of the season you would never think they had a shot, and now they finally do. And uh, Winnipeg is that team for me. I would have put Winnipeg at the bottom. I would have put Buffalo a little higher than we were. You know, they kind of got a bad luck of the draw. Um, Ottawa. I mean, I never really expected much from them, but they did better. When you mentioned before Red Wings uh, being probably the worst statistical team we've ever seen, they swept the Habs this year. So for me, I look at the Red Wings. I'm like, ah, oh, they're actually good.
1: I know. I mean, if you if you turn those losses into wins for Montreal, they're a playoff team, right? Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. And and even I actually remember watching a game. Um, here I had like dual monitors up, and I was watching that Montreal Detroit game because I know it was so significant for for Montreal. And they ended up losing that game, and I'm like, boy, oh boy, like if if you just turn you know just some of those games into wins, like you're right there in the playoff race. And and same one for, for the Blackhawks. They had a situation where they were really trending in the right direction and then um, ended up suffering a loss. And then they were going to Detroit, and they kind of had a chance to turn it around, and, and they lost to Detroit. So th- those are the ones where – and maybe those are the hard games too, right? Like you go into that building and you're like, all right, well, chalk this up as a win, and you're not taking it as seriously as you should. And, and so maybe your mental focus isn't as – sharp when you're you know you're playing against a a top team like the Capitals or the Blues Uh, and maybe you think mentally that's a that's a game that you can kind of coast but those are the most dangerous games because you're not your mental focus isn't as sharp
0: it's you kind of take them for granted I guess at that point right and you're you're looking at the matchup you're like we need to we need to do something, but it's, it's kind of like you kind of expect it to happen and something falls short. And I don't know if it was the game that you were talking about, the Habs and the Red Wings. It kind of, it was, it was a tight game at first. And then I think the Red Wings just took it away from what I remember. I'm drawing a blank. Cause from all the four, uh, from the, from the games that I saw this year.
1: Yeah. It's all blending in. It's all blending in together in my mind. So I, I can't remember exactly what had happened in that yeah. game. I, I want to say it was actually, um, it
0: was tight I one point.
1: Was made, yeah, I think it was a tight game. It was one of the last games, I believe, that they, they faced. But, anyways, the, the, the point remains the same. Like you, you yeah. know, you you um you know turn those some of those games into wins, and and maybe the season doesn't look so bad if you're a Canadiens fan.
0: Exactly. I mean, the Habs have a lot of prospects. Uh, I like some of the prospects that the Blackhawks have. Uh, we can talk about them. Obviously, you just spoke about Kubalik, uh, Kirby mm-hmm. Doc. I mean, who. Who's the, who's the the prospect that you're the most excited to see for the Blackhawks this year? Or yeah, Kirby future? Doc.
1: Ker- Kirby Doc, for sure. And I, I say that, too, because, you know, I've been Blackhawks training camp for, for three days now, and he is the one guy that's standing out to me. Like, he looks like... He looks bigger. He looks stronger. He looks more mature, physically um, rounding out. And I think most importantly is he looks like he's skating with complete confidence and... Um, you know it's tough as when you're a rookie, when you're especially when you you know you're, you make that jump from the NHL right away. You know you get drafted and then you're trying to secure a roster spot, and you know it's, it's it's difficult to kind of make those leaps your very first season. So I think he he finally realizes that okay, I know I'm good enough to be on this roster. Now I want to expand my role and be an impact type player, and I think that's what we're going to see going into next season for Kirby.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan coming out of the draft for Kirby. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Like I said, I'm a closeted Blackhawks fan. I don't think I mentioned it, but my dad's a Blackhawks fan actually, because when when Chris Chelios got traded over there, it was a whole thing, you know, I even have a picture of Chris Chelios and my dad together. It's funny.
1: Yeah, it was the, it's the Greek, uh, the Greek blood. (laughs) I know my, my dad, uh, my dad was a big Chelios fan growing up too. And even us as kids, um, you know, we grew up, enjoyed going to Blackhawks games and there was something special about watching number seven on the United center ice. So, um, I, I can I can see where your dad is coming from.
0: Um, so, which leads into my next question: Who's your favorite current Blackhawks player, and who's your favorite Blackhawks player of all time?
1: I got I gotta say Patrick Kane, and I'm a little biased though because, I, I obviously, as a kid, like we you know grew up, Chris Chelios and Tony Amani were, were two of my favorites to watch, and um, you know then Patrick Kane came along, and I think of just it's different because you you kind of see it through a different lens. Like you saw it through like a, a, you know, growing up as a fan, you you enjoyed and you appreciated Patrick Kane. And now I get to cover him and I, I get to watch him on a daily basis. And even, even more so, even more so. So what's special for me is I get to watch him at practice and morning skates and just, I'm constantly around him. And it's, it's just crazy to see how the best in the game prepare. Like I even saw this too, the other day, Um, Sidney Crosby was out like 25 minutes before practice you know started he was the only one on the ice like those guys are just wired differently and they are rink rats and that's what patrick kane is and so it's such a treat to watch him on a daily basis and even just at practice like he's just so much better than than um you know the rest of the group just because he's on he's on such another level and he thinks the game a different way so um he's the guy I, i i can appreciate the most watching and and someone uh, I've always appreciated watching on a daily basis. So
0: out of all time, Patrick Kane's your favorite Blackhawks player. Yeah, I I think so. Yep. I mean, it's not a wrong answer, you know, not a bad choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love Patty Kane. I think he's great. I mean, we all remember when you, when you guys beat the flyers in in the Stanley Cup final and that bucks squeaked in, and uh crazy ending oh my god that's what kane is though you know he's flashy he's great and he, you know even people he gets a lot of flack. people are like oh he's not really a two-way player but he is a two-way player he does play the full he does go down the pipe down the boards and he does play back and forth he's not the biggest guy obviously he's there for his skill not necessarily his defensive prowess but he's he's uh he's an impressive player and i've always been a fan of patrick kane uh, honestly t- right now today if i had to name my best my, my best blackhawks player I'd probably say Taves. I mean, I love Captain Sirius. You can't go wrong with with a guy like that who just knows how to play the game, knows how to play in two different ways. Um, What he did for the juniors in Canada was crazy with the shootout. Uh, One of the best players, and my favorite Blackhawks player of all time has to be Chelios for sure. You know, it's the whole Greek, the whole Greek pride. You know, if I didn't (laughs) say it, my dad would kill me. So,
1: listen, Jonathan Taves is. uh you can't go wrong with him too. I mean, just look at his, you know, just pull up his Wikipedia page. Yeah. Just sure. look it up. And, and it's it just find me somewhere where he hasn't won. Like he has won at every level and it's, it. there's something about him that's contagious and it rubs off on whichever teams he's playing for, whether it was college, whether it was in Canada, um, you know, for representing Canada, whether it was at the NHL level, like everywhere he goes, he, he wins, and and that's a testament to, to his work ethic, and and even we're seeing it now with his, you know, kind of a career resurgence where he's he's putting up more points than he than he's more uh, than he's accustomed to earlier in his career.
0: Well, he's adapted to the game, right? Um, so what's the yep. atmosphere like around the team right now with the guys? Yeah,
1: I think it's. Uh, I honestly think it's it's they're optimistic because they they, you know, before the NHL paused, that they were they were clearly going to miss the playoffs. I mean, their playoff odds are about two. And so now they get this new newfound life where they're on an even playing field with the, the Edmonton Oilers. And so they're like, well, we can't really go wrong here because we weren't going to make the playoffs before this. So this is kind of like a bonus run. And at the same time, everyone's just rejuvenated. Like everyone has been away from the game for four months because they've been locked down in quarantine. So I think it's, you know, cool to see the guys are you know, they're upbeat, that they're seeing each other for the first time and, and, four months. And so I'm sure it's a, a very refreshing and rejuvenized, uh, rejuvenated group. And I'm I'm sure that's the case for, for all 24 teams in, in this NHL restart.
0: Well, I hope that nobody catches uh, Corona. I mean, we want everybody to stay healthy. Uh, I'm excited for the playoffs. I'm excited for Blackhawks to see if they make a run. Uh, Charlie, I appreciate you coming on, man. I know it was, uh, it was long overdue. Hopefully we can get you again after the playoffs are over and we can, maybe we can talk about the Habs beating the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup final.
1: I was just gonna say the, the perfect the perfect story for this is is the Blackhawks and Canadians making a run as the 12 seed. But you know, if that were to happen, there would be chaos ensuing in the hockey community because both of those teams probably did not deserve to be. In the playoffs to begin with Prior it, to the pods
0: It would be nuts It would be absolutely nuts But it would be Such typical hockey playoffs How many times have we see The, la- the eight seed win the Stanley Cup We saw it last year We saw it with the Kings In, oh what was it, 08 uh, We saw it with the Blackhawks yeah. You know, so it happens You know, and it happens A lot more in hockey Than it does in any other sport um, Again, Charlie, I appreciate it, man uh, It was a great interview I love it um, We'll be posting this this week uh, Appreciate you taking the time, buddy
1: Awesome, thanks, Terry We'll have to do it again soon Appreciate it